What's the deal? It's your boy Chris Childs, aka Young Light Skin Hokage, business mogul, entrepreneur, artist slash shoe customizer. You can find me at underscore Chris Childs on social media or www.shopchrischilds.com. And you tuned into the candy shop. Yeah, dig. Everybody, it's Gina Payne from Let's Talk About It, the show where no subject is off limits. You can catch us everywhere Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And we're coming to YouTube real soon. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Let's with two S's Talk About It underscore. So, without further ado, you are now listening to Candyman TV. Let's get into the show. Yo, what's good? Y'all listen to the candy shopper to 54 countries once again. I told y'all I was going to have these guests on here. I know I said it before. I know I said it a lot. And y'all was like, man, Katie, man, where are the guests at? But y'all see, I'm back to back with the guests once again with my good friend, Rochelle. How you doing, Rochelle? I'm doing well, Brian. And you? Very good, very good. Oh yeah, and for all of y'all, that is my legal name, Brian. But y'all know me by Candyman. But it's all good though. It's all good though. Today, me and Rochelle, we're gonna talk about interracial relationships. She is actually ma- happily married, and she moved from the U.S. to Canada to meet her loving husband. To, and Rochelle, tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Tell everybody a little about yourself. Well, I'm originally born in Texas, raised in Texas. Uh, I, I currently live in Ontario. If anybody from Canada, I live just outside of the GTA. That's the only hit I'm going to give to my current location um, for those that may be Canadian. Um, otherwise, I am an HR professional. I have my own podcast, and I have two dogs and a husband. That's it. No children running around here. Yeah. No kids, just a hubby and a couple dogs. How how old are the dogs? Uh, one dog, he's um he's almost two. He's from Istanbul, and our second dog is one years old from Ohio. That must be my brother, cause I'm from Ohio. Yeah, all everybody in this house has a passport. Man, that's crazy. International, y'all. You see that? Y'all better get that passport. Y'all can go places. Unless you want, like, unless you got a felony or something, then you got to probably pay that off and whatnot, or when you get off papers, but get that passport. But yeah, we're going to talk about, so we're just going to talk about your relationship. So okay. what, okay, so what, um, how, first off, how did you guys meet? How did y'all meet together? How how that situation happen? So my husband, my husband and I, we met online. We was on the interracialdating.com. And before I even get to the website part, um, after I had a really bad failed situationship, um, I got off pretty much everything. And I, I remember on the train to work when I was living in Dallas, crying, weeping, and I, I heard God say, you're gonna marry a white guy. I was like, are you serious? I said, I have no issues with white guy. But I always thought, my God, what you doing here? And I would talk to some friends, uh, close friends, not just everybody, two people in particular. And they were like, hey, no, that can't be right. I was like, all right. And every relationship with a black man failed. Any type of dating or talking, whatever you thought, it was failed. And um, he messaged me online. I was went, it was December of 2015. And I saw it in January of 2016, and we kind of we hit it all. Um, my profile had nothing about romanticism. It had stuff about Plato and Socrates and other philosophical and government stuff, if you would call it that. Um, and we kind of hit it off, and he visited me in, in uh, March, I think. It was March? It was March or April of 2016. I came to see him on his birthday, which is Canada Day. It's on the same weekend of Fourth of July, um, and we I moved here in September of 2016. We got married in December of 2016, and we've been together ever since. Hmm. So the Lord said that you gonna marry that white man. 
Ain't nothing wrong with it though. Shoot, everybody. So I seem like everybody in a racial relationship nowadays. So how? So so y'all met online. Y'all met online. So mm-hmm. how long did it take for y'all to get that first meetup? That took. Um, so I, I was hoping to get him the time down around Valentine's, but it was Family Day here in um, in Canada. So. And his, him and his family are really close, so that was enough. And I had a book signing for a book I wrote many years ago, so he came on that particular weekend. So it took us, it took us about three weeks to make the decision of when we were coming to, who was seeing who first, because I always had a rule. If I dated somebody from another state or another country, they would come visit me first, because I need to know, are you willing to sacrifice money to see me? I, it's not about the amount of money. It's do you value me enough? Okay, um, okay. Yeah. It's never about the dollar amount, but it's are you willing to sacrifice to prove what you're saying? Because your words and your actions have to be congruent. Otherwise, something is a lie. It's either your words or your actions. And you and I have the right to choose which one. Because oh. they fix me. Y'all heard that, right? Words and actions have to match. It sounds good, but is it really good, though? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so after that, I came to visit him in July. Um, yeah. And we just got along together. Uh, one thing that I loved about him very early is that we could sit in silence and not be awkward. It was peaceful silence. Mm. That's what that's what I love. Peace. Gotta have peace and all. So what um so what 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 made you what so when you when you when you first started talking to him, like what made you attracted to him at first? Like or was it or, or did it take you a while to, to really get to really start feeling your husband? So I, I love the wittiness of who he, of, of him and his ability to have great conversations and bring humor and the complexity of those things. Um, but I was talking to somebody else when I began to talk to him. And I remember God and I had all these conversations to the point I couldn't go to sleep. But he was also talking to other people. Now, his version of talking wasn't my version of talking. Kids would call, you know, you're still getting to know people. Right. Um, and my type of talking, it was a lot more serious and it went in a whole different direction. So with the other guy, it was a lot more sexual chemistry. And with Thomas, which is my husband's name, um, it was a lot more just general. Like, this is a cool guy. Like, my husband is very nerdy. Um, the closest thing I can give you as to an ideal of who he is is you can kind of connect him to any any of the four to five characters in the Big Bang Theory. My husband is nerdy, he's not sexy, but he's sweet, um, and funny, and he's sincere. Um, and one day I just broke down, I was like, okay, God, you say choose this guy, all right, I'm gonna choose this guy. Just let me go to sleep. And that's how I kind of ended. Ended that part of the conversation with me and Jesus. Um, and I, I told him, but another thing that he did that I loved from the beginning is the fact after so many weeks of talking to somebody, you know how you read people? Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I had to be, like prophetically, I would read, I read, I would read every guy. Like God would give me a small window, not enough to sit there and hurt your feelings, but enough to say, I know what you're about. And every guy after that point would disappear. And he said to me, I'm not afraid of you. And it made me kill him. (laughs) So, um, yeah. But when it came to, like, loving my husband, even when we got married, my husband loved me more than I loved him. And he knew that, and I told him that. Because we have a radical honesty policy within our relationship. It's not a rude honesty. Is a kind honesty. 
So there's a difference of saying, I'm going to say what I got to say. I don't care how it lands. You should care how it lands because that's your partner. Yeah, see y'all. Y'all gotta. We there's a lot of good relationship advice going on out here. I hope y'all taking notes because this is some real good info. I know a lot of people need because it seems like y'all have a great communication, and that is very, very important. That a lot of relationships nowadays lack. Yeah, yeah, and that was the thing that we you know, I have to be transparent first. So those are some things that my husband's past. He wasn't willing to be transparent. He was always nice. He was always open-minded. But I had to be transparent about where I was, how I felt, without requiring him to do so. I had to give him no obligation to reciprocate that part because I understood the pain, his pain points. But then also, I went to counseling. I went to counseling years before I met Tommy. So, like, I had to be whole enough to be able to say, hold the fact that his heart was still broken. I still have to hold the fact that when he said, I love you, and then took it back, and it's deciding what we're going to do. And it wasn't until two years into our marriage, he began to really open up. So you're talking about almost three years of me being intentionally a place of peace a place of transparency, a place of authenticity, not harping on what he's not doing right, but celebrating what he's doing, what he is doing. And our relationship began to blossom and bloom in other ways. So, um, and no screaming, we don't scream. I know certain people find that to be crazy when you're upset and you don't scream. <laughs> so we don't do any shouting when we have when we have arguments. Heard that y'all? No yelling. It's all about communication. Like sometimes people get into arguments. You know, that's natural, especially with humans, but there's a lot of times where a lot of arguing isn't even necessary. And it's all about just talking, giving the other person a chance to talk, listening to understand and not listening to respond. And that's so that's so, that's such like a lost. I feel like that's such a lost element in relationships nowadays, you know, and well, it, go ahead. oh, no, you go ahead. I, I was I didn't mean to say and. All I was gonna say to that is sometimes when we bring our own baggage, we have less sympathy for the other person's baggage and pain. And that's where we have an issue because we're trying to get our fix, our soothing, our peace, and it doesn't matter how we affect the other person. What would so be... Go ahead. Oh, my bad. No, no, you keep going. I, 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 I know no, you're you keep going. Give me a question. I'm a question. Okay, okay. So, what are, um, was there ever a time where you thought you guys, like, weren't going to make it or were, it was like a, 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 a really down point in you guys' relationship? Yeah. Um, my, um, it was actually, almost three years ago. It was um, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I was in a really bad job. When I say bad job, it was a really stressful job. Um, and our relationship, how can I put it? At work, I was superwoman, but at home, I could barely function. And my husband, who dealt, um, had, had dealt with porn addiction, started going back into that. And then I found out, and then I found out that um, he he told me he wasn't attracted to me anymore. I was like, okay, what do we do with here? But what we did in that moment, we did not, we didn't say about Okay, y'all, my bad, my bad. We are back on the podcast. Somebody tried to FaceTime me, and I forgot to put it on airplane mode, so that was my bad. But Rochelle, we can continue on with the convo. Okay. 
Uh, when we left off, I was saying that my husband told me he wasn't attracted to me. I was hurt. However, we we talked about counseling. We never men- mentioned divorce. And one thing we have intentionally done when we didn't know we didn't know what to do, we didn't make a decision. We would we would sit, we would pray about it, and this doesn't work for everybody. Like sometimes you really do need to go to counseling. Sometimes you need to be you need to separate. But due to the fact that Thomas and I have the ability, no matter how painful a moment is, to humble ourselves to each other and make sure there's no pride in the middle, we're able to navigate some of the hard, very hard conversations in a way where people think it doesn't look like there's an issue. And I had to make the decision, going back to the statement around what we did, I had to make a decision and I had to pray about God, what do I do? And I had to decide whether or not was I gonna control what my husband was doing? Was I gonna micromanage? Was I gonna check the phone? Was I gonna do this? And I said, you know what, that's too much work. That's too much effort. Either I'm gonna trust him, I'm, I'm gonna trust you, Jesus, trust him, or I'm not. And, and I left it that way. Instead of focusing on him, I began to take account of what's happening in my life. What caused this? And one of these issues, one of the issues was my job. I was working 90 hours a week. Um, I was always on call. It was very stressful. Um, I wasn't taking care of myself well. So basically my husband almost became like a caretaker because I would be so stressed out when I get home, I would just fall apart. Mm -hmm. So he didn't get to enjoy me as his wife, not even not even sexually, but to enjoy hanging out and doing fun things. So um, I eventually found another job. I took a pay cut. I took about a $15,000 pay cut. And I'm at the time, and even now, I made more money than my husband. So, and we made the choice together about the pay cut. And what it did, it gave me work-life balance. I started walking and taking care of my health. I'm still in my weight loss journey. But what he had been praying for for in his life, he started to see he wanted somebody to go hiking with and do other things with. It's not losing weight because he didn't like me or he didn't want to stay married to me. Because in his family, there's only been two to three divorces in like four or five generations. Hmm. Like when they married, it is literally to death do do we part. Um, and over time, through teaching my husband how to cook from scratch and bake from scratch and walking together, God began to heal our relationship. Like whatever remnants or whatever issues there were, we don't have those anymore. But it was a continual walk of humility and allowing God in the middle when we didn't know what to do. And not having pride, not holding on to pain because it's comfortable. Like you're gonna get hurt in any relationship, whether it's romantic, professional, things are gonna happen. Miscommunications are gonna happen. Confidences may be broken, but how you restore and heal is going to determine the type of person you are. Now, some relationships, even if you restore and you apologize, should be severed. I'm going ahead and say that. Not every relationship is meant to last forever. And marriages don't last forever. They last until one divorce or somebody dies. Yep. It's limited, it's finite. So, um, but we, yeah, the, the marriage we had three years ago looks nothing like what we have today. What would you say is your strongest, like, what would you say, like, with, with, with you and your husband? Uh, what would you say is the, like, the strongest thing you guys have together? What do you mean by strongest? Like, that, that really, like, um, what really, like, what's, like, I just lost it. I'm sorry. I had it, too. I had a good one. <laughs> 
Are you trying to say what is the one thing that keeps us together? Yes, that's what I meant to say. I don't know what happened. Sorry, brain fart. It's all right. It's all right. I have those two. Um, the biggest thing that we have outside of God is really our friendship. Like, we are genuinely friends. Like, I want the best for my husband, whether I'm, I'm with him or not. So, um, it's our friendship. That is, you know, everybody always have an old, let's get married. We can have sex and it's all about sex and all about this. But what happens if you can't have sex? What happens if your spouse can't perform? What happens if, you know, things just don't work? Is that the end of the relationship? That is true, very true, because, man, that's crazy, because some people really, like, I mean, let's just keep it real. There's a lot of people who got married just for the sex. That's the yeah. Some people got married because that person was pop more popular or had more money. They A lot of people are really failing to realize that really the inside counts. You know, of course, you want somebody that you find attractive. But even that, it's not about looks. It's not about looks. It's about who that person is to you and how that person can treat you. And you know what I'm saying? It's just like it's it's just sad when I see things like bad relationships. That's why I'm glad we met, because it's every time I meet a, a couple that's married or just dating or anything that has to do with a relationship and they're faithful to each other and they're happy. It means a lot because I'm just like, dude, like this is something that I want, you know, because most of my friends, baby mom, baby dad, baby mom, baby dad drama or married, divorced, married, divorced. And that's why I'm not married yet. A lot of people ask me like, oh, why aren't you married? You should be married by now. Shouldn't you have kids? And this is that. I'm just like, I look at everybody else's mistakes that they made and I choose to do the opposite. Yeah, you have to. Matter of fact, my mom was married four times and my dad married twice. Um, I have people in my family who've been married four or six times. So I come from, when it comes to marriage and divorces and stuff like that, I come from the chicken past in that way. And I chose to do things differently. You know, a lot of women in my family were, are domineering, they're very powerful women. And I saw money used as a way to manipulate. So, yeah, I may make two, three times more than my husband, but guess what, it all goes to the same account. And if it's not in the same account, or it's in my business account, he still has access. We talk about down to a $2 purchase some days. Because it's not about control. It's about the communication. It's about the communal decision. It's about partnership. It's about the we. Um, so that was an intentional choice. Understanding how my husband accepts love. And one, um, a few weeks ago, my husband joined um, my podcast, and he said when, we're talking about fathers and affection and things like that, and when when he feels safe, safe he, will, he builds. And if there's no emotional or psychological safety, men don't build. Who? And I believe, especially as women of color, we tend to build out of necessity or desperation. Because we've been told to grind from the beginning. But for for a certain man, they have to feel safe and encouraged to take a risk. So like how are you speaking to your to your spouse? That's important. Are you allowing your spouse to dream? Or you, every time they come to you, it's like, no, we can't do this. No, we can't do that. So what can you do? What risk can you take? 
because if the goal is to build legacy, you don't build legacy without some kind of risk or sacrifice. Yeah. Y'all hearing all, I, I hope y'all taking notes. Like I said earlier, I hope y'all taking notes because we got all the good info on relationship advice from a couple that is married and faithful that truly loves each other. Truly loves each other. So do you, do you, you got, do you, do y'all plan on having kids one day or? Um, we, when it comes to children, our saying is if they come they can stay if they don't it's okay 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 that's we're, fair enough we're very neutral as much as we might desire them if we can't have them naturally either we might adopt or foster but I'm not spending gobs of money to go have some kids when there are children any help right right like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I didn't go buy a $3,000 designer dog. I have two pups. I have two dogs. Two rescue dogs in my house for a quarter of the price. When did you get your dogs? Um, one I got last year, and one we got a week ago. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the one from Ohio? The one from Ohio was a week ago. Oh, okay, okay. Well, dogs are kind of like children, in a way. Kind of. Yeah, they're perfect three-year-olds without tax benefits. Ah. So, when it comes to relationships, how... Okay, because I, I... No, actually, I want to get into your spiritual connection with your husband. So you both believe, so, so you guys, um, how, how, like spiritually, how do you guys connect? Like, is there a certain routine you go through or is, do you go to church a lot with them or how does that go? So this is actually funny. You actually like this story. So the first time Tom's not chatting, um, he would tell me about his denomination. He is Christian. He's from the Christian reform denomination which is mostly a Dutch denomination. And I said, I'm not going to your church that is like, you know how sometimes us Pentecostals can be, if it's not what we used to, we just go ahead and curse it, right? Right. And that's what I did. It wasn't until Easter, uh, it was some Sunday, Palm Friday, or it was some holiday around Easter, but it was not Easter. I asked him, well, the Holy Spirit said, ask him for um, a link to his church so you can listen to a sermon. And that's when he told me that I hurt his feelings when I talked about his denomination. So we have to deal with differences around theological perspectives and things like that. So we made an agreement. We're just going to do what Jesus do. If Jesus got baptized, fully emerged, that's what we're doing. Whatever Jesus did, that's what we're doing. A lot of that, you know, all the extra stuff that people want to talk about and debate, we don't. We Like, even when it comes to Trinity versus oneness. I lean more oneness, he leans more Trinitarian. However, I believe that there are two sides of the same coin. We do go to church, we go, we do pray together, we fast together. That's something we do like regularly we do fast together and my husband has a very active job and he's very very active so for him to fast the last fast we did i think he lost like 20 pounds hmm. I, I, like he went from a 30 32 to a 28 32. My, my husband, he, he, he became very, very, very tall. And I don't know how much weight I lost. I lost some, but not like him. Um, but that's what we do. We read the Bible together. Um, I know at one point my husband was willing to marry a Muslim woman. And I was kind of open to dating people or marrying people of, of different faiths. 
but that didn't work out. That didn't happen because interfaith relationships are difficult, especially when you talk about holiday traditions, religious traditions, children, how they're going to be raised. And a lot of children that come out of, um, you know, interfaith relationships tend to be more confused and very insecure people and people pleasers. Have you both ran into any issues when it comes to your relationship? Like, have any anybody ever, like, tried to, like, start some stuff or, you know, try to be disrespectful any chance? Because hmm. I know for some, and some people, they hate interracial relationships for some reason. They hate it. They always think, like, oh... You just stick to your own race and this and this and that. And it's just like, no, come on. Ain't nobody about to do this. Somebody loves somebody. They're going to go for whoever they love, regardless. I would say when uh, when we were in Texas for a moment, that was more of that, but it was from strangers. Um, here in Canada, there are a lot more interracial, interface couples. It's, it's a lot more accepting. Um, I'll tell you, um, the biggest issue we found is when we were looking for church, a church to go to, um, when we would go to an, a predominantly black church, they would look at him strange. Or if I would go to a predominantly white church, they would look at me strange, but they would talk to me kind of awkward. It's like, how do you talk to a black person? And then she's American. What do we say? <laughs> um, so that was hard. But someone outright say, no, you should do it. You should do it. You should say to your own kind, no. Technically, depending on who said that here, that could be discrimination, and that could open yourself up to a lawsuit. So you keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Shoot. Because, I, I mean, me, I'm down with interracial relationships. I rock with it. Especially when I went to Vegas. Like, I was already with it. You know, before, but when I went out to Vegas and I lived out there for good, uh, that for that little nine months, that's all you saw. I mean, you you would see you know black and white couples every once in a while, but majority of the time you seeing this person from Cuba, this person from Mexico, they from Puerto Rico, they from Brazil, this person from Ohio, this other person from Africa. You just see all types of races like all mixed in with each other and like it's common like you said in canada it's more common certain places they don't really accept that and they they really will dog you out or try to like convince you to break up with your significant other over the skin tone yeah but sometimes it's deeper than skin tone because one thing some of the things we have to navigate racially was making sure that he my my lived experience. Like this is like, how do you walk this out? Like we we actually we have actually talked to each other about. So what? How would you feel if the kids didn't look like you? We had children. What happens if someone come up to me and say, "I'm not the parent of that child based on skin color and hair texture"? Um, what does it look like if I'm being racially discriminated against? in a public place. Oh, what about your family? Like, you get down to real practical things. And sometimes relationships and people can't handle the complexity. But the, the one thing I love about him and his family is that their ability to be open, because I'm the only black person in their, like, married into their family. If you look at any of our family photos, there's a sea of white, and there I am, one black person. So do you, do you have a good connection right. with them? Um, the, my mother-in-law, my in-laws, my immediate in I love them. Like, her and I, we, we got along right off the bat. She's a farm girl. She didn't, she wasn't, she wasn't raised in what we would consider privileged today. Now, how my husband was raised, I would say an upper middle class family, private school, from like, from birth all the way to college, but they work really hard. They give a lot of money away. 
and they're so friendly. They may put their foot in their mouth because they don't know, but it doesn't come from an insincere place. And that's something I have to learn, is that in some communities, they don't know. Not because they didn't want to know, it's just their community is so small, they didn't have to know. And don't even get me on how racist, how race, racial or racism differs between Canada and the U.S. Because that's a whole, like, that's a whole nother conversation. I mean, if you want, we can get into it. Uh, we only have a few more minutes. I will, what I will say, I have learned. I did not know that there is a hierarchy in whiteness until I moved to Canada. Like, there's literally a ranking of of privileged whites. So for some reason the epitome of whiteness is always the U the UK. Tips. But what ranks low are are Italians, some Irish, and it just depends on what part of the um, of Canada you're in. So when when whites are within each other there's a there's a ethnic hierarchy, but when you bring a person of color into the mix, they become this homogenized group of white people. So racism morphs here, and what people don't even know is that Canada has been more successful at building a country without the input of people of color in indigenous people, a.k.a. Native Americans, as we say it in the States, than the U.S. The U.S. has had more black hands in how the government was formed in major events than in Canada. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Like, like, race and how it looks and what it sounds like is so different. I mean, I give you, I give you a, a, a good example. So, a lot of almost about where I live, about fifty percent of the people I meet, if not more, have immigrated from different parts of the world. Right. So, on any day, I may hear three to six different languages outside of English. In French. That's daily. Now, when people see me, they don't see me as American. They see me either as Jamaican. Um, yeah, so Jamaican is primary, or from someplace in Africa. So when I begin to say that I was born and raised in Texas, they get confused. And then I got to begin to tell them there was a group of black people that were brought on the boat like a few hundred years ago and they never left, is the way I put it. And then they began to realize, like, oh, she wanted them black people. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> I remember you said earlier, like, some community, like, some people, they don't know any better. And that's kind of like a situation here, like where I live at. I live in Springfield, Missouri. So certain things that white people say who aren't racist, they say racist things, but they don't mean it. But they was raised like that to see if it was to make basically like it's okay because they white parents, they white parents was racist as hell. But they black friends would let them say certain racist things because that's how they was programmed. They was thinking like, oh, it's my white friend. It's okay. They're, they're, they're just joking. But in reality, if you step out into somewhere where they don't play that, your white friend ain't going yeah, to be lollygagging. And you ain't either because you let that, you let certain shit slide. You know what I'm saying? Like... But you right, like some people just don't know any better. Like some people know better, most people know better, but some really don't. And they don't really intentionally try to like do any harm. It just happens. Yeah, I'll give a good example of that. Um, it was around Christmas a few years ago and everybody was talking about 
like where um, their family last name comes from. Like my family, my husband's family on both sides knows their family going back to maybe 1700s, right? Right. Or maybe 1800s. And my mother-in-law inadvertently turned to me and said, where did your last name come from? I said, I guess from the people who owned me. I don't know. And the look on her face was like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. And she said that in all of her children, it's like, you, like what do you expect, mom? Like, this is, like, they begin to educate her about why. But I knew she was, I knew it was, I knew it was, and it wasn't on purpose because they're so used to talking about their family lineage. It is uncommon or yeah, it's uncommon to them for someone not to know their, their roots. Yeah. And you have to navigate them with this family, foods, traditions. Like, my, my husband's family took, it's brand. However, when you talk about baking, they can bake their butt off. So I do most of the cooking because I like stuff with flavor. <laughs> now you already know, shoot. Gotta have that seasoning and that sauce on there, man. It's more than just the salt, it's, it's the spices. And my husband, he loves spicy food. He loves both flavors. Mm. But it, it just, like, you have to do that even if you're in, the, in, a, in a, um, a homogenous or a same race relationship. Even if it's not the same race, you always may have intercultural differences. You may have class differences. You may have same racial color, but different ethnic groups. Right. Like you're going, to, you're going to have to negotiate what that looks like. How you celebrate? What like what do you celebrate? And and yeah, you're going to get weird questions from the older generation. Like, so do you celebrate this? No. Like my husband's uncle, I forgot his name, but his uncle somebody. He's very, very, very conservative. He actually, at one point, supported Trump, which I had no problem with it. I know black people that did, so. And it's not like he can vote. He was, in, he was from Canada. And uh, he asked about, did, did Thomas teach me uh, him in Dutch? And I replied, I said, we have intentionally has, we have intentionally decided not to celebrate any ethnic traditions until we come to a solution about how that's going to work. So nobody over the other. And the young people was like, I understand that. He was like, you can, you can tell it offended him, but he accepted because he understood that he's not in the relationship that I'm in with my husband. And that's one thing I have to say I respect about his family. Our marriage is our marriage. They don't get involved unless we call them. But otherwise, they don't give us advice. They don't do any of that. They let our marriage be our marriage. And see, that's another thing we need more of. Some of y'all family members be in y'all business a little bit too much when it comes to y'all relationships. I get it. Some of them are there to help, but some of them are just there to be nosy or they just want to ruin something happy that you already got. So, yeah, y'all got to make sure. Be on that Rochelle flow. You feel me? Like, y'all, the family stays. Mind y'all business. Y'all need to mind y'all business. Mind y'all business unless you was asked. Um, I'm just saying, if you was, now there's a difference if like, they're like, oh, hey, we need some help. We need some advice. Okay, cool. Come on in, but don't get too comfy. You only here for temporary. <laughs> you ain't going to stay the night. You got to go. Oh, yeah. So, and I think that's where, as a couple, you have to set boundaries. But you, if, if you don't have the skill to negotiate new agreements, then you bring in a mediator, a neutral person, 
not somebody from either side of your family. You bring in somebody neutral. And that's why I do believe in marriage counseling. And you find a marriage counselor that has have a similar lived experience. Now, would you... So oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, our marriage counselor I was an interracial couple. Um, he was a pastor. Him and his wife happened to live a few years in the States. But, uh, but from Montreal, and he had to navigate bringing in an Italian woman into a Jamaican family in a Jamaican church. Oh, we. So, so yeah, he was good. He was the closest thing we had to a lived experience. <laughs> I bet, especially if you're going from Italian to Jamaican, that's like a whole new wave of. Of life, for real. Man, that's crazy. That's wild, for real. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild, for sure. Okay. So, what? I, I want to get before before we uh we got, we still got some time left. I wanted to talk about your book that you brought up earlier that we didn't get a chance to talk about. So tell us tell us a little bit about your book. How long have you been writing? Um, I, I write off and on. Um, that book is almost ten years old. Um, I took it off shelves because I want to do a re edit that I'm still working on. But the book was inspired from a paper I wrote in college. And um, at the time, it was basically used about women from different generations of the same family. Um, and it, it had a little bit of an interracial twist in the sense of she was born, what was it? The mother of, of Hussein, which was the, kid, the main character, End up, end up falling in love with a like with a black guy. She was she passed for white, and her grandmother found out, and basically got put in prison. And she um, so, and then the grandmother raised the daughter, and the man and, and the woman her name was Justine, actually married a white guy. He abused the daughter, hmm. so kind of navigating how. Some of the things, because at the time I felt like in the black community we deified mothers um, and we and we demonized fathers, and it was navigating some of the pain points I had in my in my relationship with my dad. Even though my mom never kept us from him, um, it was just processing some father hurt. And even though I got a chance to get to know him again and all those other things. And it, it talked about how to overcome abuse and other things, and it was a, it, it was a great story. I'm, I'm rewriting it um, now. Sometimes I do edit other people's work. I do like doing that, or I help people write their own work when I have free time. Um, so that was basically what the book was called. It's book, the book is called "Is Within's Called the Paradise," and the funny part is the main. The love interest in the book for Ruth Ann, his name was Thomas. <laughs> oh. So how how long ago did you write the book again? Almost ten years ago. Ten years ago. So oh, so you probably spoke Thomas into existence and ain't even know it. Yeah, like three years prior. That's crazy. So is that your, is it, so do you plan on, how, so do you have any books that you're currently working on right now? I'm working on, on that one and I'm working on a book called Anamnesis. And you're like, what in the world is Anamnesis? Basically, um, in Socratic thought, there is um, um, a teaching called the Doctrine of Relearning or Recollection. In Plato, Socrates believed that when before you were born, you know everything you need to know about life. 
what your purpose is, everything. And when you come to earth, you spend your whole life relearning everything you knew in heaven or the heavens because he didn't know where it was. And you learn that by communing with the divine, so communing with spiritual places and spiritual people. So I'm writing from that concept from a Christian perspective, how we all innately know who God is and what our and what our purposes are, but we have to go through process um, and different things for that to fully develop before we before we die. Okay, okay. Oh, I got 15 more minutes. Look at God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So how can everybody get in contact with you? Do you have like Instagram? I do have an Instagram. Um, it's Rochelle Camille. So my name is spelled R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E. Um, C-A-M-I-L-E. Just one word. That is my, my YouTube page, my Instagram and my TikTok. Okay, y'all. Y'all gonna make sure y'all go ahead, like, share, subscribe, follow, comment, all that. Make sure love. Yeah. We don't. We're, we're gonna. I'll make sure in the description of this video or this podcast that we got her information where you can follow, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that. Y'all better show some love. Yeah. So. Um, so one of that's one of my the many projects outside of the book the podcast is sometimes depending on the client I will take on some consulting work working with either individuals or companies. So individuals I help them with organizing their life or help them begin to plan to start their business. Like I'm not doing the business work for you. I'm helping you come up with the steps on how to do it, what you need to do, and I hold you accountable. So I like to call myself, a, I'm a coach. If you want a plan, I'll give you a plan. No. Um, and for businesses, I'll go in and redo operations and processes and deal with cultural problems and I'll leave. See y'all, we got another plug right here. If you need to start a business, you need some help, she got you. She gonna help. She gonna, but you got you gonna be held responsible now. You gonna be held responsible. So don't think, oh, I'm just gonna get my little info. She gonna do the work for me. Nah, she gonna give you direction, but you better take action. Yeah, um, and this is not a plug, but this is something I would tell anybody who is looking to move internationally. And this is something I learned the hard way, and which I wish I was told this before I moved. So I'm going to tell you all. Your U.S. credit Hello? Hello? Oh, hold on, y'all. The phone just went out. The phone just went out. Hello? Hello? Okay, okay. I just have to let everybody know the phone went out. Don't want you to know this. Now he don't he want us to podcast. Hating. Yes. So, your U.S. credit matters in Canada and in European nations. If you have good enough credit, you're able to buy property in other countries without waiting the three to five years to bid up credit in their country to buy stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's something to, to know. Also too, there is a such thing as tax treaties. When Obama went, went into office and he decided, uh, when he, when you remember all the celebrities were moving out of the country not to pay taxes? Yep. So what, what Obama did is he put in, they enacted laws. So you have to file taxes in the country you live in and in the U.S. No matter how much money you make. So make sure you have an accountant that is that knows international tax law. 
in the sense of the country that you're living in. And if the country you live that you move to does do not have a tax treaty, you have a greater chance of being double taxed by the US. So in Canada we have a tax treaty with the US. So if I file my taxes right, I have to I have to pay them an extra five to six hundred dollars to file in the US for me. This does this includes business and personal. This includes yeah, like it's yeah. That's so wild. retirement plans, everything can be taxed in in two different countries if you're not careful. Y'all heard that. Man, that is crazy. See, I never even knew that. Yeah. Yeah, that's one reason I'm mad at Obama. It's like, you can make it a, a, a threshold of income. Like, come on now. Not everybody that most countries is balling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, um, and also depending on where you live and move to, you can bring in your car and everything else tax-free. Mm, gotta learn them tax laws, y'all. Yeah, and just be careful of gun laws. Not every place will let you have guns. Matter of fact, where I live, I can't even have pepper spray. What? I had to leave in Texas when I came, yo. Mm -mm -mm. Only cops can have pepper spray. Man, what about what about like lemon spray? What if I had that? Would I be okay? The lemon, no, if you get lemon you get lemon in somebody's eye, it's over with. That is true. I just think about that compression and some aerosol gas. All right, but that might still be, that might still be considered pepper spray or salt. Oh yeah. Like each country has the different laws on what things mean. Um, but if you move or visit other places around the world, embrace it. Know the laws. Know your rights. And have fun. Um, and, and this is one of my other things that people forget, especially for us women. If you move countries, prepare for your hair to change texture, and you may lose a little bit because of the nutrient change in your food and in your water. Your body has to transition and take about six months to a year. You heard that, ladies? Better watch out. That hair gonna change, especially if you're on that good diet. The old, if you get on, if you get on the right diet, the old, the the bad hair might fall out, and the new, the newer hair might be even better. You never know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, and it's just like you know, you gotta you gotta be careful. I'm actually out of questions for now, but next time we get on the pod, we definitely got to get more into detail about like the overseas taxing thing because that's that's something brand new to me. Like that's something brand new to me. Yeah, business structures are different. Oh yeah, like in the states, you got twelve different business options. Here, I got three. Oh yeah, for sure. We definitely gonna get into that. Well, Rochelle, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today, showing your boy some love. Make sure y'all, like I said, make sure y'all like, share, subscribe, comment on her material. We're gonna have her information in the um we're gonna have her information in the description of this episode so y'all can show her love. And like I said, thank you for joining and we hope to have you back on the show soon.
up, everybody? It's Gina Payne from Let's Talk About It, the show where no subject is off limits. You can catch us everywhere, Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And we're coming to YouTube real soon. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Let's, with two S's, talk about it, underscore. So without further ado, you are now listening to Candyman TV. Let's get into the show. What's the deal? It's your boy, Chris Childs, a.k.a. Young Light Skin Hokage, business mogul, entrepreneur, artist slash shoe customizer. You can find me at underscore Chris Childs on social media or www.shopchrischilds.com. And you tuned into the candy shop. You dig?